I want to welcome everyone who used to listen to the We Strive podcast. We are now called Building Fires, as you can tell. I'm Corey whoop, McCain. Whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm Corey McCain, CEO and founder of We Strive, and my new partner in crime here, Farhaj Mayan, the CEO of Canna. Canna, boom. So each week, Farhaj and I are going to bring you interesting people from around the world. We're talking celebrities. We're talking tech founders. Who else are we talking about, Farhaj? Artists, nonprofit founders, musicians, all kinds of people who have the hustle in their life and took their life goals to the next stage. So, oh, okay. That's, did you write that down? Was that, was that no, honestly, it just problem? came out, bro. Honestly, it just came out because I want to meet these people. <laughs> it's not just startup dweebs. We need to get out of our circle, man. I know. They're a bunch <laughs> yeah. of nerds. Nerds. No, no offense to us. We're Roasting our own selves. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're excited to bring each episode to you. Um, We got some really cool people lined up for this season. And uh, be sure to subscribe. Tune in every Monday. And we'll see you on the the flippity-flop. Is that what we're we're closing with? All right, all right, all right. In honor of Matthew McConaughey. That's it. Building Fires Podcast. Boom. Terrible ending. Love it. All right. Yeah, yeah, Johan was an incredible episode. So he's done, like tons of things i mean it was like okay i did this and then i was in london and then i was in this place and then i was in this place and now he's running dot space la it's a beautiful co-working space inside and outside and it's in culver city and in hollywood i've seen the culver city one but uh did he say he was yeah. opening a third location too or looking into that uh well they opened it right when COVID hit so wow. that didn't actually like yeah that didn't actually yeah. but i mean space regardless, looks amazing yeah, I love yeah. their like focus around culture and especially like all of the amenities, like the the green screen room, the podcast room, like in like different locations having different vibes. Like that, that's that's really dope. And he takes like what I would assume like an entire WeWork building has, and he puts it in like one like you know smaller building, and then everyone has everything they need. So yeah, I think it's awesome. They don't they don't have like the they don't waste time on like oh here's you know beer and stuff like that. It's like no like here's stuff. <laughs> the that beer fountain. <laughs> Beer fountain, have all the beer you want. No, it's like, oh yeah, you, oh I can use this for my job. Cool, that's awesome. Honestly, dude, I don't think that beer fountain did any way service. Like when we used to be at WeWorks, dude, it's it's just like by three o'clock somehow a lot of people would be way too drunk. Yeah, <laughs> like hanging I've, out never, I've never experienced it. I, yeah, I've never experienced it, but it just, it's cool, but it doesn't seem necessary. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're, so. we're off the point. Yeah, we're off the point. Anyways. Check out Dot Space LA, and he's got some incredible advice. But then he also has one piece of advice if you're going to open a co-working space. Yep, that is perfect. So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, here's your boy Johan. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And uh, this one's awesome. What's the current situation with Dots? Like, are you still bringing people in the door, or like, is it you guys have six feet apart? Like, what's the current situation? Uh, the, the current situation is that um, officially, since we're an essential business, we have to stay open because we have mm. quite a few uh, mailbox memberships. Gotcha. Uh, people that use us, you know, I mean, Ooh, that's for like so company that, that, address. That, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, they use you as like the company address. And yes. So it's, a, it's not traditional. So we do have a few traditional people that just use us as an address. But more importantly, we, we, since most of our members are entrepreneurs, we work together and we use our addresses as as points of reference for their mobile businesses. For example, we have uh, mobile notaries, we have mobile uh, windshield repair, we have uh, mobile graphic artists, and they like since they're serving LA. You know, when people are typing into Google these you know specific keywords, they show up as local businesses, and it's much better than SEO because it's hyper local and people like to work local. Very cool. So all of our entrepreneurs use our addresses as, as you know, satellite office addresses. Does that help your SEO too when they're all pushing to your address? No, it's not. The SEO isn't, isn't linked. It's it Maybe Google somehow knows that there are, you know, lots of businesses at my addresses. but there Yeah, are. maybe it helps the maps. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I don't, the, yeah. The, the, the idea is that. Um, you know, there are no PO boxes, there are no mailboxes, it's all human powered, we scan, we email, and you know, we we now have this new thing with the drive through mail pickup, where you don't leave your car, we come out and we give you your mail to your car. That's Very it. cool. Yeah. Well, and one thing I was going to ask is, um, uh, oh, just lost it. Oh, well, that, that's cool that you guys are able to stay open. It's kind of like, so your entire business stays open or just the mail part of it? No, so since since that since we have to be here for the carriers, 
you know, some members are like, oh, my kids are driving me crazy. Others are like, I can't focus at home. Others are. So they, they asked us to prepare the space. So we did. And very cool. We put in uh, these like non-contact access control systems where you just hold your phone up to the door. And then we bought those non-contact keys for everybody. Um, and we gave it to them so they can use this like little metal keychain device to push and pull doors and to push espresso buttons and without touching anything. Jeez, right. man. So you guys just like everyone else just shut down and you guys went like full COVID on everyone. Just like straight yeah. up like that's just true. innovated. That's genius, man. Yeah. Was we, that expensive to add? Like I feel like that's kind of overwhelming. I feel like you guys just have like an empty or uh, like a bottomless wallet to just like hey, no, what kind of tech we want let's do it <laughs> not at all you know i i think that you know when the when the going gets tough the tough get going and Next. you know these non-contact keys i got them on alibaba i bought 250 of them at two bucks a piece yes i so, love it uh, i'm a big alibaba guy yeah me too I, I love it you know i love it i just you know i don't want to buy corona overseas but everything else is <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I did that. And then another thing is what I noticed is, you know, as soon as Corona hit, I tried to buy those automatic touchless dispensers, right? But all these dispensers, they come with these cartridges that you're supposed to buy, right? But they none yeah. of them are available since they went to the first responders. So I thought, what's the point of me buying, you know, these Johnson & Johnson or these, you know, big name Gojo and Purell brand name dispensers if I won't be able to get the, the sanitizer since I can only buy it from them? Gotcha. So we ended up buying on Alibaba for like, you know, 20 bucks, these these dispensers that are touchless, automatic, where you can put in your own your own um, sanitizer. That's really cool. Yeah. And we put those throughout the space and we put stickers on where to sit and we put HEPA filters in all the registers so that the circulating air doesn't doesn't contaminate more people. That's uh, we, awesome. We put wireless chargers everywhere so people aren't you know, touching all the plugs in the, in the common spaces and these high touch point areas, uh, lots of stuff. I mean, we have, we have the janitorials nine to five now, and we, we've had zero cases so far, thank God. And that is incredible. Yeah. So it's, I mean, a couple of things. One, uh, well, one thing is like what I hate about this virus is like, you have, you have no cases so far. I haven't been, I haven't had a case Farhash hasn't, but it's like, we all just got lucky. Like there's mm-hmm. so many people that just get it and you're just yeah. like, you know, it's just crazy how one of my really like, good buddies in Dallas got it, and he was down for three days. You know, and yeah. it happened out of nowhere. He was taking all the right precautions. He was doing everything right, and you know what he suspects is that one day when he went to get his groceries. Exactly. Um, That's what. I, yeah, like the most simple thing. Like yeah. one. Like our our main trainer lives in LA, and he flew out. This is actually a really shitty, unfortunate situation. So he flew <laughs> out to um, to Utah. For this, uh, it's this giant treadmill company. He was doing like a five day shoot with them. Yeah. And it was like he was going to get paid a lot of money and be like the main per, like it was going to be huge for him. And so the first day, they do like five hours of practice shooting, like, you know, just kind of warming up for it. They didn't actually get to shoot and film anything. And then he comes down with COVID in the middle of Utah. Are you serious? And then they couldn't do the next... He, so basically, he didn't do any of the shoot, didn't get paid for it, and then had to sit in Utah for two weeks. <laughs> so... Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, how, how do you... Con- like, and he's so healthy, so, like, cautious, and I'm like, dude, the fact that I don't just have it is, like, insane. Honestly, like, it's crazy. Yeah, um, I've been meaning to get one of those antibody tests because, you know, like, we, we go out in the field pretty often, and we even though, like, our workers are, like, in, in, in the marketplace, you know? Yeah. Make sure everything's going fine. I'm just, it's wild. The cases have started to skyrocket a little bit here in the South, but you know, fingers crossed, everything gets yeah, exactly. Cool. And we can go back to regular life soon. Boom. Well, you know, and one more thing I wanted to ask before we do like a, the intro is that, so like you're doing all these things for your business. Is that kind of like your, like what you wanted to just get out ahead of and do, or was that kind of like asked by the city or like where, what was the oh, mindset no. for that? No, no. The mindset was a great question. The work. I don't want to stay home. I I don't know how everybody stay home. I have three kids. Um, I I I just can't do it. And and if I'm gonna be at my <laughs> office, I want it to be as safe as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. I mean, you know, this is reality. I think it's not gonna go away by September. I think that there's a lot of good news. And uh, ABC greenlighted 18 shows. Uh, production for 18 shows. Wow. Week. Uh, to start delayed start, so not to start in September, but the, you know, hopefully by December. So I, I think people are antsy to get back to work, and they want to know that you know that the air conditioning is clean. They want to know that everything gets sanitized, and I think that's 
that's what people want to know. And that's what Dots is ready for. And that's all. Absolutely. Love, Love that, man. Well, cool. So, so tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Um, you sent me over your history and it's just By like, the way, wow. <laughs> Dude, so cool. stuff. Yeah. Kind of digest. We, we could, we could like clone you in different parts of your life and just interview that person for a whole episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's, let's kind of just start with who you are now and then we'll kind of like just take a few steps back. Yeah, no, I, I who I am now is really just a, a father and uh, an entrepreneur that's just trying to, to build these entrepreneurial communities through real estate. Um, and but not, but not like, uh, not like we work. <laughs> no, not, no, no. Very different. We, you know, don't get me started on we work. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not at all the, the, the mindset and it's not at all the, the vision that I nor any of our members share. We, we don't have yeah. any businesses with more than eight employees. Uh, we have turned down all offers for real estate for spaces bigger than 12,000 square feet. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea is to have, I, I believe in my vision and this is why this is called dots. I believe that the secret to happiness is the connection between many little dots. Mm. And it's not about trying to be the big center dot of your world. Boom. I love okay. that. I feel like just in the short amount of time that we've spent talking to you, one of the core differentiator of like the DAS community is just like culture that y'all have created. That's what it uh, is. You know, and, and I'd be curious to learn about how you approach that. And is it like your past experiences blending in or, you know, the expectation that you yourself had for a great place to work at? Um, it's, it's, it's more the prior, my basically based on my, I designed an office based on my experience as someone who's never really worked for anybody else. I've gotcha. always kind of run my own businesses, whether it's been as small as freelancing, you know, to, to as big as, you know, a company with, with employees and, and a lease and, you know, work orders and accounting and admin and, um, and, and all of those cases, um, I've always found that the, the off the, um, the, the the culture the office culture will make or break how f the collaboration between people could not agree more absolutely so so it's very important to have um the, the design offices in a way where uh during breaks people cross each other yeah you know, so they can chit chat it's it's important just even in the layout um you know it's it's important that uh, things are beautiful people like beautiful things it makes them feel better but so one one question I have, uh, we we didn't lose you, did, did we? No, no, I'm, I mean, okay, cool. Oh, it sounded like you kind of cut off. It was like, it, it was like better. <laughs> then I was like, wait, because I can talk about this forever, but I could, you know, I want to, you know, go through and cover more ground. No, absolutely, and, and so actually, I did want to actually get your opinion on WeWork, though, honestly, because I feel like you have a very unique. Because I can just be like, oh, it's dumb, and kind of like you know, who cares what I think? Like, so I feel like you're very you're in a very similar boat, like not, okay, let me rephrase that. You're not in a similar situation <laughs> that they're in, but you're in a similar market where like, you know, you are a co-working space, obviously a totally different business model, but like, where do you think they, I mean, I guess this is obvious to everyone, but like, where do you think they really went wrong? And then do you think they're at a point now where like they could even like fix what they've done? Okay. So, so. Okay. Breathe. <laughs> Okay, so let, let's talk numbers and let's talk business, and and that'll that'll give the answer. I, I do not lease my spaces; I buy my real estate. Bam, Love that's it. the main difference. Okay, the main difference is that when when I'm putting TI, when I'm putting money uh, into the space for members, I'm actually increasing the value of my real estate. So it is not an expense; it's been capitalized. Yeah, and you're make you're you're no matter what happens, you're gonna end up making money off of it at some point. Yeah, it's yeah. Genius. So, you know, every you know, if 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 members want certain things, and I feel like they add value to the building, and you know, one day if I really need to, because things didn't work out, I need to sell my building. You know, these are things that will increase the value. Love it. So, uh, so it's definitely cash heavy, right? So I can't open thirty locations in three years, right? Gotcha. With this method, but I am building wealth. Okay, as opposed to a model where people are signing leases. So if you take um, WeWork, for example, they uh, signed up for about $40 billion of liability, of lease liability, right? Over, let's just say, you know, 10 to 30 years, depending on the properties that they signed up with. Um, except their revenue forecast was at best three years out. 
Right. So how do you how do you how do you sell a business? How do you run a business? How do you keep a business happy where you have these super long term, very, very expensive liabilities? Yet in terms of revenue, they're all short term, even month to month. Um, and it's very, it's very difficult. And then on top of that, you enter the gray zone of what do you expense and what do you capitalize? And, and this is where we work. This is where we work kind of the, the first time that the world realized that we work was a little chamois was when they were releasing their PL reports, they were capitalizing their community expenses, right? Which is which is impossible. Financially, you only capitalize assets. Yeah. Right? Coffee is not an asset, right? <laughs> no. The beer fountain. <laughs> no, no. I'm, you know, paying paying John Doe, the yoga teacher, to come every Wednesday and to give people class is not an asset. That's a liability. It's an expense. Yeah. Right? So it's fraud. You That's know. Crazy. I mean, it seems so obvious in hindsight, but I mean, he got away with the hooks, you know. But well, yeah, I mean, you, 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 there was that—I forgot the name of it—but there was that that bald guy, that the the finance guy. He gave like a one and a half hour explanation. I think he's a teacher yeah. about about the financial model for WeWork. That was, it was very enlightening. And and one is Scott things, Gallagher. Is that him, Scott Gallagher? I don't. I still the fall Maybe. of the fall of We was the title of his uh, of gotcha. his video. Yeah, I'd love to check it out. But, you know, uh, this is a really interesting segue. And now that we've talked about the demise of WeWork, <laughs> yeah. one interesting thing that I read in your profile was you started your first company when you were 20. Yeah. And, you know, when we go into the story of the company before that, what I'd love to know is, did you go to college and did you drop out? Yes, <laughs> both. Yes to answer to both of them. But Love I didn't it. see it as a, a, a dropout. And and I have a lot to talk about this because it's so, yeah, I'm French Moroccan. My family's from Morocco. It's a third world country. Yep. I was the first person in my family born in Paris. I'm so jealous. I'm just like, yeah, I'm white from Northwest. <laughs> yeah, like... you know, the grass is always greener. I look at white people and I'm just like, oh, I look like you, but I don't have any of your benefits. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't look like them either. But I was like, I was like, Farage, what are you talking about? I'm pretty damn brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. but um, no, re really, it's nice to, to to have the stability of like that single facet. You don't you don't ask yourself a lot of questions when you're you know one nature, whether you're French or American or Canadian. You know, things are simple and it, it's easy. I feel like it's easier to move forward. Yep. It's hard to balance all the cultural differences when you're like a French, American, Moroccan, redheaded Jew. It's not, <laughs> it's, you, know, you guys laugh, but it's, it's, it's not always me. You don't really fit in and everywhere. You kind of do fit in everywhere. So it's, it's whatever. That's but, amazing. But um, yeah, so uh, I, I went to college and I hated it. While I was in college, I was promoting nightclubs in LA. I don't know if you guys, I don't know how old you are if you knew. LA, I actually like, did that in Dallas for a while. We used yeah. to, I used to be a promoter for electronic music concerts. Yeah, same here. You can make a buck and a half, dude. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the lifestyle was really what I was in was in it for. Mm -hmm. That was the real perk. But uh, it did pay a little bit, and it was nice. But while I was in college, I just, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't get. I, I, I feel like the benefit of college is the network that you build and the people that you meet. Absolutely. Right, because experience is a much better teacher than um you know than than reading information. yeah getting it's not even about the, the the format it's about you're reading information you get tested on it and then you don't use it for another three or four years yeah like it, when you do that with language it's the worst right just just grab a backpack and go and go to the country stay there for a couple months it's never going to leave you mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of like the mindset i just uh i stupid looking back obviously i was stupid but i was like oh look at look at dell michael dell he yep. was in a college dorm room right and he built dell so i was like i'm gonna do the same thing you know and i, and I started building computers and selling them and obviously you know it, it, the route didn't go the same way but um, <laughs> <laughs> however a year later when those warranties um expired and i was charging 65 dollars an hour to repair computers yeah. Um, I ended up, you know, f I found myself two years later with a million dollars in revenue a year, just in service. Wow. It's, you don't know, you don't know. I just followed my, my gut passion, which was building things, you know, and then, and then little by little, it turns out that people were like, oh my gosh, we can share printers. This is 20 years ago. Right. So, yeah. oh, oh my gosh, we can have all of our files on one computer and we, we can have it backed up. That's amazing. Oh, oh my gosh, we can collaborate. Oh, we can go digital. Oh, we can scan, right? This is all these things, which for you and I growing up, it, it came naturally as like they're millennials kind of. 
for these businesses that were all old school, they loved it. And, and I was just there at the right place at the right time. That's so wild. You started from like building and repairing computers and then essentially built an entire IT business. (laughs) Yeah, We were installing CCTV cameras. We were, we were the go-to company for anything the business needed that where electricity was running through it. So who were your customers? I had lots of customers, um, but the, the main niche of customers that I had were downtown fashion businesses because they're the most technology. And so it was the easiest, the easiest industry and they all know each other and they're all located in like three buildings, the fashion mart on ninth and Olympic. Yeah. Cooper building, right? You have, you have 4,000 potential clients in there. You just walk through there, smile and introduce yourself. It'll take you three or four days to get it done, but you'll walk away with 40 clients. Yeah. Each of them on a $600 a month retainer. All of a sudden, you have a business that's running $24,000 a month in revenue from a week's worth of outreach, right? And you basically have sold them four hours a month each of work. This yeah, is how you build something from nothing. <laughs> the hustle yeah. is real, man. That is you so have to cool. be stupid. You know, I could come up with a thousand reasons as to why that wouldn't work. Yep. But just like learning the language, you just kind of have to go and speak. Yeah, I think naivete yeah. and you know believing in the fact that yeah. you can't yeah. commit to it is really a superpower in disguise. It is. <laughs> no, it, it really is. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you just have to stay dumb and simple. Is what I was always repeated to me as a child. Stay dumb and simple and just focus on action. Yep. And as long as you're open to learning from your mistakes and learning from everybody yeah. else, you know, you just see exponential growth. And that is so cool. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you realize you're dumb and simple, if on top of that you can't learn from other people, then you got something else coming your way. But, but if you can remember that, then you'll always be open to learning, I think. Wow. Yeah, I saw I saw in your uh, your bio you had a couple of uh, pretty big celebrity clients as well too. Like, so what what is? Oh yeah, who uh, were they? And then what like what work were you doing? Like, so specifically? so specifically, so what happened was after the IT business, I went into e-commerce. I noticed that um, e-commerce was picking up. Mm-hmm. That fashion was lagging behind for two reasons. Um, number one, uh, you know, I, I guess the the people it wasn't yet. Internet was not the first place you were going to buy a pair of jeans or buy clothes yet, right? Yeah. People were still in the industry. Everyone, you know, when I told them this is what I want to do, I want to license out the official e-commerce store for for clothing brands, right? I take on everything at my expense because you know to launch an e-commerce store is cheap in essence, and I take a commission of the retail price because these were businesses that were used to wholesaling only. They did not have retail operations, so they mm. were very glad to sell me their clothes after I sold them, obviously, at, at above a little bit above wholesale price. They were very happy to do that. They were less happier a year later when they saw that the e-commerce store was making 100K plus a month, right? And they were barely touching uh, wholesale prices. But yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a very good business. And it did so well that one day, um, Christian Adige, who's also French like me, so we kind of knew each other through, uh, through Common Circles, he, he was the he was the celebrity superstar. This guy had all the celebrities for all his clothes, and he came to me and he asked me to manage his e-commerce and manage all of his online sales. And he took me uh, he took me with him to, to Saint Tropez for the for the Cannes Film Festival. And he took me all over the world um, to kind of be his IT guy for him and all of his celebrity appearances and and to push out press releases and to and to help out with the e-commerce. And that's how I got involved into that that whole world because I, I spoke French, I spoke English, I understood fashion because I grew up in it. I understood internet and technology and, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a good personality, I think. So he felt comfortable bringing his geek around. Dude, Christian, wasn't he the head designer for Ed Hardy? Yeah, that's him. He's the owner. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was such a big Ed Hardy geek when I was a kid. Like, yeah. Tiger t-shirts and everything. Oh. Yeah. I remember when I, when I first got there, I the first thing I did was look up at the, their emailing stats because in, in e-commerce, in high volume e-commerce, email yeah. is your number one sales tool by far, and uh, you know to to, to crank out uh, repeat orders. And I went there and I had seen that in uh, a year and a half they had sent out a total of seventeen emails. This is like my first week there. And how big was their company? Oh, they already had two hundred employees. 
and they, they sent were, out 17 emails yeah so they sent out 17 campaigns but they it only sent out the test email and it was never approved and they didn't know so they thought they were sending out millions of emails but they had really just sent out 17 test emails <laughs> so nice. when i actually started doing the marketing you know sales tripled in like three weeks so I yeah. went, oh my god yo i'm so smart and i'm just like oh if they only knew <laughs> That's so surreal, man. Yeah, surreal, surreal. That's what it was. But uh, but overall, it was uh, it was a good experience, and and it was nice. You know. So from your experience working with Christian, is there just like you know some sort of wisdom or just one thing that you took away that still lasts with you today? Uh, yeah, he has one thing in common with even the most uh, educated, uh, long term successful, straight edge people in the world, and every single one of them have this one. Um, have this one very, very, very positive character trait, and they all share it. And it's they know how to float. Okay, so it, it, the the example that I give people is when you, when people are overwhelmed or stressed, I I you have to imagine that they're sinking in water, right? But but people who who uh, are generally successful people, I the ones in my circles at least, I find that no matter what happens, they're very buoyant. So they just kind of flow and they and they go with the flow of the water coming and going and they have this like almost religious faith that everything will always work out because mm -hmm. they know that if they keep that mindset, they will always be able to think straight and make the right choices and do the right things. They, they know that the the that above a natural healthy level of stress is just downhill. Mm-hmm. And so that's their that's their starting point always. Everything's okay. Everything's good. Everything's chill. It'll we'll get through it. This is what we should do. Boom, 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 boom. That's very core belief. I love that. I feel like I'm pretty good at that, but I still, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's I'm not a master at that by any means, but I think that's very important. Like there are so many times where I'm like, if I didn't have the right mind space or headspace right now, I would literally just like be depressed yeah. <laughs> like, yeah so absolutely and that yeah. was the thing that was his he was just always chill and always okay and he always had the next thing to do very focused now i was just gonna say it's like self-actualizing you know and understanding yourself and like in that yeah. kind of a way is so insane because you know it's like nothing can shake you it's like even yeah. when you're going through the worst day in your life you're like it's all gonna be fine i'm pretty sure i'll figure out how to make it work yeah <laughs> No, that's, that's that's really just it. They just and you know you look Amazing. at them and you want to you want to insult them. You want to say you you know you're mindless. What is this? You're not you know. What about the concept? And and in the end, they're right. They always are. You forget about it a year later. Don't sweat the small stuff. And then so you you were able to sell both your IT business and your e-commerce business. Yeah. So the e-commerce business w w was was a little bit of a cheat sell because basically the the. The brands, as they got more organized and as they saw how much potential there was in the e-commerce, one by one, bought back their license from me at a premium. Oh, nice. So, so lit. Yeah. So, and that's the money that I used to go live in France uh, for five years. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was, as soon as I had that money, I was like, peace. And I just left. <laughs> nice. Very Did cool. Like in Paris, Paris or like? Paris, Paris. That's where, that's where I was born. And, and like I said earlier, you know, uh, since I'm this like French Moroccan mutt, right? And growing up in America, I, I love Americans but, and I connect with them, but not like a hundred percent. And I love French people and I connect with them, but not a hundred percent. And I love my Jewish tribal friends. But again, it's like these partial connections because I'm, I'm a mix of so many things. It's hard to really belong. And so I thought I'd I'd give uh I'd give Paris a try, see where my parents came from. You know, they're they're successful. Maybe Paris had inspired them or or, or gave them some insight that, yeah. that helped them grow. And uh it does, it did. It, it gave me I mean, it was the best decision I ever made was going to live in Paris. Maybe I should do that. But listen, I I, I don't think they'll let I, you in I, anymore, man. <laughs> I, sure. I think I think you should. I you know, when you're when you have lived in more than one country you're you no longer think ah only in la oh only in america oh look at this oh it, th th these these sentences they don't exist anymore because you realize everywhere in the world is the same you have the same people all over the world like 10 personas that's about it i would love to live somewhere else honestly like it, i think it'd be i always think about that too because i'm sitting i'm sitting back home right now you know just like working on my laptop and then i'm doing everything remote and i'm like why don't i live not here <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, why don't I go somewhere else? I don't know. Hey, you, something that I always think about. You should um, you can read the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. He has this whole thing about how to how to live in another country, but his whole thing is going to countries that where everything costs ten times less. And I just I'm a big metropolitan fan. I like countries where that have cities that are the most expensive. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why. I just I just enjoy. I just feel like there's more value there. I mean, it's it, hard yeah. to give up good food and good wine. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. So so what happened post e-commerce sale? So you did that, and then you lived in Paris for five years, and then what? Well, while I was in Paris, I went bankrupt twice. Uh, oh wow! Twice. Yeah, What's yeah, the yeah. backstory behind that, man? Well, I opened up the same e-commerce business that I had in LA, but again, the culture is different in Paris, and you know, in America, everyone's like, "Let's all make money!" Woohoo! You know? Yeah. And in France, it's like, well. You know, how much are you going to make? Are you going to make more than me? Let me see how much you're making. Oh, and do you really think you need to make that much because for the work that you're doing? Because at the end of the day, the work that you're doing, you're not really spending as much time as you like. It's just a very different. It's it's a very different business mindset. It's a, wow. a more socialist over there. Um, and uh, the other thing is they're they're not as electronic. So you know, when when I needed you know uh, an Excel file with the with the inventory and the export. You know, in LA, I would get it 20 minutes later. In France, it would take them two months to file something like that. Wow. I just didn't have the funds to, to keep going. Man, that's rough. You know, what's funny is like back in the day when I was working on my last startup, there was a point in time where I was being considered for this like accelerator. And, you know, I think this all kind of ties in together, but I'm pretty sure it was actually based in Numa. Uh, the co-working space. Oh, right? nice. yeah, yeah. And uh, it was the family. Uh, yeah, the family. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going through that, and we waited all the way through the diligence process. Probably, I think it's just because they like me. Um, as a company, we were not there yet. <laughs> but <laughs> the one thing they had said is, you know, culturally, it's so different that a lot of times people who are, you know, after getting a feel for the American market, excited about going in there and growing a company, usually get beat up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's first, like, the language barrier. They're not extremely receptive to, you know, native English platforms. And then second, you know, culturally, it's so different that most of the assumptions you make are probably wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's so interesting to hear how your experience went, man. That's wild. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, bankrupt twice. And, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, and then that's how I discovered <laughs> Numa. Before it was Numa, I was literally, you know, like, depressed. I was depressed. I was, I was not. I was unhappy. And I was walking through this dark alley in Paris that looked very um, enticing at the time. Yeah. And uh, I, I look over to my right and I see a bunch of nerds, you know, like me working on laptops with headphones at these shared communal tables. And I was like, this place looks dope. What is it? And I walk in and they were like, oh, for 10 euros a day, you can work here. And that's how I discovered co-working in like 2010 or 2011. Wow. So you were literally just going on a stroll and then you stumble across this place, you know, with a bunch yeah. of your typical Y Combinator, Silicon Valley types, but French. <laughs> yeah, away. yeah, no, that's exactly it. And I was I like, thought you were going to say you got jumped or something the way you started that story. I was hoping I would get that. At least I'd have an excuse to be sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. Oh, man. So, so, and then, and then everything changed from there. Everything changed. I met a bunch of people and I, and I opened up a little web agency. And, and mm. since all of the coworkers, you know, one guy was a developer, one guy was a web marketer, one guy was a graphic artist. It was like having employees at your disposal that you paid per job in your office, but not. That's really cool. Yeah. And okay. mm -hmm. oh, I was gonna say, so, so then you, you move, then you're like, I'm going to go to the U S and repeat this or like, what? no. Like, no, so so I'll go very quickly though. So a year and a half later, I get a phone call from France's largest e-commerce agency, or okay. I guess not an e-commerce agency, three hundred employees. The president calls me and he's like, "Yeah, we'd like a meeting with you." And I said, "Okay, sure." And so I, I go into their office. They happen to be around the corner, and um, he's like, "Listen, uh, you know, how big's your company? How many people? You know?" And I was like, "No, it's just me." And he was like, I, "But we don't understand. You've been stealing our clients." I had, I had, <laughs> I had just nabbed a hundred million dollar fashion brand called Vanessa Bruno. Wow. Contract. And, uh, you know, they had lost to me and he was like, I, I don't get it. How do you, we have, I don't get it. How do you manage all of this activity and all this business just with you alone? There's not possible. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm in a co-working space and that's why I have amazing people, independent thinkers with me. And 
things are just simple. We get each other, you know, so we, there's not there's a lot less management and a lot more business. Mm. And and he was like, oh, OK, cool. Well, tell you what, I want to you know hire you as the chief innovation officer. And I want you to do something like that over here for all of our clients to be able to to go out to market to get smaller clients. Um, and that's what I did. And, and that's what I did for about two years before I moved back to L.A. That's so wild. Very yeah. cool. And then that's uh, dope, dude. Yeah, but again, all of this stuff is very lucky. You know what I mean? I literally was trying to get mugged in an alley, and that's how I discovered co-working. <laughs> yeah. oh, and, and then, and then, Next thing uh, you know, your competitors hiring you as a chief innovation officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just, just be. And again, and it's not even me. It's just because of of this, the awesome people in this co-working space, which I didn't judge them. I didn't say, "Oh, you're awesome." It just happened to be that way. I didn't choose them. It's it's serendipity is so underrated. <laughs> like, yeah no it it, it, it what was i wasn't wasn't that uh, i don't know where i read this yesterday but someone I, I don't know if it was on reddit i'm a big reddit fan but someone was saying oh no it was a video i saw a story of a boy who um who got into no what was it he, he was going to ah it was something bad happened but through that he met his wife years later going to pick up his wife he gets t-boned by a car and they they check his brain and turns out they caught a tumor and every negative thing that happened in his life led to a very positive thing wow and no one and and then all of the comments on this youtube video are people that are you know sharing their stories and and it's it's amazing a lot of people don't realize it but our path hinges on these very small things that happen to us that change us forever yeah, it's like I met Farhaj and I was like, this guy sucks, but now we have a podcast together. So. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it's exactly you the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so you make you become the what was it? I C C uh, you know right? uh, chief innovation officer. It's the bridge CIO, gotcha, tech okay. and marketing. That's kind of what it is. That's so cool. cool. I mean, it's like early stage like growth hacker, right? You pretty much lead the charge in in, in like just exploring all these different outlets to where companies yeah. grow and work together. Ba- ba- what I do is I, I look for low hanging fruit in companies and yeah. then I, you know, I try and use tech to get, grab as much of it as possible. That's really very cool. That's basically what it, what it is. Yeah. What, what if your entire company is a low hanging fruit? What would you do with that company? They wouldn't, they wouldn't need me if the entire company was a low hanging fruit. All right, well, boom. It, would be, cool. it would be easy. They would just are you the low hanging fruit, Corey? What are we talking don't, about? Don't worry about it. All right, so when you're done, when you're done being a uh, CIO, uh, is that so? You move to the U.S. and then you're like, I'm going to do this, and then, like, how did you go about like getting your first um, physical location set up? All right, so what what happened was while I was working there, I was helping my friend build his startup, which is is basically big data uh, for the fashion industry, for the luxury industry. Oh, that's genius. Um, so what was happening, my friend is a genius. And what he noticed was that he's a he's a, a luxury consultant. And what he noticed was all of these luxury brands were like, listen, back in the day, we had North America, Europe and Japan. Mm-hmm. Now we have 50 markets. And in China, we can't use the color red. If the girl's looking at the camera, everyone boos us. You know, some people make it, some people don't. We don't know what we're doing. Help. Right. And he and they would always ask the same questions. And he was like, yo, let's build a platform. So we built this little BI platform, which is. Um, iStock photo meets Google meets Wikipedia um, just for the luxury industry, for the emerging markets. And um, to get the word out, once every three, well, the third Thursday of every month, we would give free advice to any entrepreneur that showed up at our office. And like free fashion advice or just like mentoring? Free, right. No, like like my specialty was, you know, I guess innovation tech, but his specialty was luxury. We had a lawyer, we had an accountant, and we had a developer. Wow. So you're like a full stack advisory board for these startups. Mostly we, we got a lot of really, really, really good people and we got a, a, a good amount of press. And, um, you know, in the in the beginning when the company, you know, was was, was tight on cash, we were trading spots for work. So basically, we were telling a you know a UI expert, hey, use this as your office. Come here every day, you know, and once a week, sit down with us and and help us with our UI choices for the app. Well, you know? And was this the location? Wait, this was the one still in France. This was yeah. in the no, no, U.S. This, this is the one in France, right? Okay, gotcha. And when I saw, and then little by little, we started selling spots, but we didn't want to. People were asking. They were like, "Can I just give you eight hundred euros a month for that desk?" And we're like, "Okay." 
Wow. Not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say no. They were cool people. Most importantly, it was people that we liked to go to lunch with and, yeah. and have fun with. People that, that came up with new ideas and their experiences and just interesting people. And um, and then, you know, after five years, that was my rule. I'm going to be in France five years. After five years, I came back to L.A. And my family, they you know, I grew up in fashion. They they uh, they worked in fashion. And they, with the, the money that they made, they had bought some real estate, right? Mm-hmm. And um, below my parents' office, there was this windowless, lightless storage unit. Um, which is the current dots in Beverly Hills? Spoiler alert! No uh, kidding. My sister who owned uh, my sister owns this um, yoga brand, uh, yoga activewear brand, and she was using it to store her unsellable items. Yeah, uh, it was the, the the floor was yellow. I mean, it was it was it was nonsense. And <laughs> um, you know, I went to my dad and I said, "Hey, dad, can you know can uh, I take this space and can I build something out and start selling?" Uh, memberships that people can use it to work. This is what kind of what I was doing in Paris and it worked really well. And um, I feel like it's the quickest way for me to build a life as I get back and start all over. And he said, okay, but you have six months. If it doesn't work in six months, then, uh, you know, you got to move on because I'm going to rent out this space if you make it all pretty and it's not making money. Yeah. I said, I said, okay, I'll take, I'll take your deal. So uh, he gave me a loan. Uh, It cost about, it was about 2,800 square feet. Yeah. And we spent about $280,000. So this was a big investment. Yeah. But uh, we were full. we were full within the six months. It, it blew up right away. Because it was the That's first amazing. COVID in Beverly Hills. Honestly, like $280,000 to refurbish it, you know, and, and really get it to where it's at today. I took a couple of peeks uh, on Google. I mean, wow. I mean, the, the space yeah. looks incredible. It does. It does. It's all glass. And, and I think that we got a, a lot of value for, for how much was spent. But, but more importantly, um, you know, I've never missed a, a monthly payment. And uh, my, my family's real estate business is healthy. Um, and we we're able to pay everything back. And it was it was an investment that that worked. And that and that was very important for me. <laughs> you know, if you're going to get the benefits of, of, of the family, you, you have to you have to make sure you have a, a good return. And so when you first launched it, did you like, what kind of marketing did you do to get people in the door? Was it just kind of like so, people just heard about you and it blew up or like what? No. So what my, my I use the same strategy that I used in e-commerce. So the, the whole mm-hmm. thing in e-commerce. So I'm not a big fan of PPC, of pay-per-click advertising. I, I feel that it, it oh, reminds dear. me a lot of cocaine, right? <laughs> that's a great, that's a great comparison. You know, it, it's like the second you stop, you're worse off than if you had never started. And, yeah. and, um, I, I, and I saw that effect over and over and over in, um, in the e-commerce. Um, so, yeah. so what I did is, um, what I noticed is that it's also really, really, really hard to complete, to compete against these content, you know, mega lords, right. That have, they're all over SEO, right. You're trying to sell a dress to, to anybody all across the U S and you can't compete with JCPenney's SEO. You can't compete with these people, right? It, it's 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 too hard. So so the the strategy was be visible on every single marketplace and use product listings as a retargeting system, right? By seeing your brand on every single marketplace that they go to, on every single shopping listing, on every single result. Wow. Um, it, it kind of builds this brand recognition and this, this trustability, right? So uh, when I started Dots, what I did is I made sure that we were on every single real estate listing everywhere, right? So With, like you're talking I, about, are you talking about like Zillow and like platforms no, like that? Or across no, I'm, I'm talking about the strategy is very simple. I go on Google, I type in shared office space, Beverly Hills. Yeah. And I click on the first 20 links and I signed up to be on there. I don't care if they're Zillow or I don't care if they're xxzyx.com. I uh, find sure. some way to get on there. And I, and I think stuff like that is just like how you get ahead, especially when, yeah, like you said, you can't compete. Like we can't compete with Nike for SEO. Like it's not going to be possible. <laughs> like it's just no, like. You can't. But, yeah. but yeah. Um, I just want to make sure I get this right first because I can, I, can, I can give my version for you. you. Do you send, you represent personal trainers. People find personal trainers through your app. 
and then these apps, they, they, the, the trainers, they go to their house or how does it work? Uh, it's all digital and we're by mid next summer, we're going to be adding, um, to, uh, the find a trainer near me thing. But like, there's a lot of reasons we haven't added that yet, but yeah, it's, it's mostly for digital. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Um, so I, I, if I were to, if I were to kind of take my thinking and apply it to, to we strive, I think that, so I typed in, for example, personal training in Google right now. And after the, you know, the six Google ads, right. And the giant map, right. Already what, what I learned is that, you know, Google decides that there's a big local business for personal training. Yeah. Uh, but after that, then there's Yelp, right. And then the Yelp mobile site, which is very annoying. Uh, and then you have <laughs> these, these places like find your trainer, and then you have thumbtack and then you have fitness trainer.com. And then you have, you know, all, all of these, I'm assuming they're, they're, they're competition for you. Um, mm -hmm. okay. All these people. So instead of trying to, um, fight down, which is already all the way down at the, at the bottom of this Google, I would just, I would just focus on the Google map section and making sure that everybody in to do kind of i guess kind of what a lot of my members do but kind of have lots of local businesses and and or local locations in lots of cities so that people can find you through hyper local search because yeah that's what search engines show up first today that's what i tried to do so uh, uh I, I, it definitely would work better than what i tried but gold's gym in venice is a, probably the most googled gym on the planet because it's like where arnold trains and everything like that mm -hmm. And I tried to make my physical location this warehouse across the street so that every time you Googled Gold's Gym Venice, We Strive app would pop up yeah, right next door. Yeah. But, but I had to, they, Google made me verify and they were going to uh, do the thing where they send like a little thing in the mail with a, with yeah. a code. And I was like, okay, am I going to have to break into this warehouse's mailbox <laughs> to get this code? <laughs> like, so I never did it. It was like, I'm too nervous. But I was like, oh, no one even lives there. And it's, it would have been perfect. So... I know exactly what you're talking about. I just need to like, I need to like actually like execute better yeah, than like you've done. Do that. I promise you one thing. The next time I go to Venice and I pass by uh, the the gym there, I'm going to look at the businesses around and see if I see an opportunity uh, to, to verify a business there. Well, make sure you watch out for the homeless people on that street. It's very dangerous. But, <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah. But, yeah but, but if you do, that was the other thing. I was like, I don't know if I want to say that I own this building because <laughs> it's very bad. Um, but no, I appreciate that, though. I'm sure there's tons of opportunities that I just haven't, you know, executed on, though, for sure. Yeah. What's really interesting, I mean, for us, like, we can do paid acquisition whatsoever. So, Yohan, um, essentially what we do is we provide legal cannabis farms and dispensaries with talent. So yeah. Oh, you get, for trimming. Can the cannabis industry not do paid advertising? No, not on Facebook or Google. Uh, I mean, there are some oh. that you can run on Google, but Facebook, Instagram, it's a total no-go. Good um, to know. Okay. Like that restriction actually got us the best acquisition channel. So we were kind of forced to you know, put an ad out on Craigslist and it blew up. And then mm. the next thing we knew, we were like, oh, why don't we go ahead and just structure this as a job post? You know, yeah. get hired in cannabis, 10 to $15 an hour, we'll find you your job. Yeah, um, and it blew up in in a matter of a couple of days because you know our job listings were being parsed by Google and represented on the front page when you search cannabis jobs Oklahoma. We got like twelve hundred and fifty applicants in in seventy two hours or something crazy like that, and we had to actually pull the job post. But uh, I believe that. it's yeah. wild. I feel like there's so many different opportunities to actually build uh, an organic top of funnel. Well, you hit a market fit because the the butt tender is more of a gig than it is. A career yep. so craigslist is a much more targeted venue than you know indeed or or google ads that just reminded me too i remember a lot of our competitors when i was looking like two years ago they would have ads for personal training even though it's not even a job it's like you're running your own business but they would put the ads on like monster and stuff like that so i, I wrote down a note to do that in like three months but yeah that, i love that kind of stuff though just that creative like Mm -hmm. How do we get you where you don't think we're going to get you kind of advertising It's genius. Yeah. Um, so then what, what made you want to start the second location? Cause obviously, you know, you're doing well in Hollywood. Uh, wait, do you have a third location now? Did I, did I, so I, I had a third location. Um, but when we were supposed to launch, uh, when COVID launched, actually, oh, no. COVID, oh, geez. we yeah. had a competition COVID one. So I got very lucky uh, because we ended up, 
being able to leave. Well, it's a beautiful space, so I don't know how lucky, but um, you know, one of the first people that came and saw this space just wanted to lease the whole thing out. Oh, perfect! Wow, a year and a half lease, and uh, you know, we'll see in a year and a half. So got lucky and moving on. That's that's perfect. Literally, I can't think of a better better yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, but for the second place, I mean, so the idea was, you know, everybody knew um, that. 3,000 square feet was not going to be enough to make a, a very profitable, you know, high-end business. Mm -hmm. But if I could make it profitable using my knowledge, then we would go bigger. That was the concept. So two years later, after the, all the processes were laid out and things were going smooth and, you know, there was a consistent um, filling up of the space, we decided to see what it was like to purchase a building for the sake of opening up a co-working space. So uh, we found a building, which is the, the Culver City location, and we ran the numbers and we thought that it made sense. So we bought the building. We did the TI. 40 days after our soft launch, we hit 100% capacity. Wow. And, and keep in mind that, that, that since, you, since, we're, since we have a mortgage and since a lot of the expenses are capitalized, financially, it's a great investment. I, and, I mean, you're looking at 10 to 15 caps. It's They're huge returns. It's a really, really, really healthy business to be in because your can, tenants are pretty much paying the mortgage for you end up owning the entire place, huh? That's just the offices pay for everything. Everything else is is extra. That's beautiful. So, um, but, but more, more importantly, everyone is very happy and everyone really enjoys working out of the space and they get what they need to get done. And they, it's plug and play. It's just plug and play. They come in, we have standing desks everywhere, motorized desks, everything. We thought of so many things. That's amazing. Yeah, and I've, I've been to the location a few times. It's like, it's beautiful. So I definitely, I definitely am looking forward to hosting an event there for sure. No, man, um, so, down to LA. You know, when all this dude, you, you should. Yes, <laughs> come down. We have a beautiful, we, right now we have, so our Culver City location has about 2,500 square feet of outdoor space. So our outdoor oh, co-working wow. is blowing up right now because everybody wants to work outdoors. Um, and it's really nice. Yeah. yeah, he offered to have us come down and do the podcast in person. That would have been that would have been nice. They have a little podcast room there too. Wait, what do you? Um, so, how did you go about like choosing the rates that you're going to charge? Did you just kind of like Google what everyone else is doing, or like like how? Because obviously you have like podcast room rental, desk rental, like all that stuff. Like, how do you even go about that? I just I just go twenty twenty five percent cheaper than everybody else, and based on that, I build my my I my budgets and to mm. be able to be profitable with that. I'm, I mean, e-commerce, I, I come from a world where it's, it's about volume. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I like set and forget. So I like, you know, every, there's the mobile app, everything's automatic. The second you sign up, you get the invites for the access control. You get, you get the emails explaining everything. We don't monitor printer usage. People just print what they want. They book the rooms. There's no limits. I don't want to have to deal with all of these little operational things day to day. Right, it's I, like I, an experience I, hurdle, right? You're not, like they're like, yeah. oh, I'm here to like actually do work, and yeah, I, you know, ima imagine you go and, and and you sign up for an office, and then you need a code for the printer, and then every time you print, you got to walk over to the printer, put in your code, and then it starts to print, right? And then and then you want to use the booking. Well, how many credits do I have? How important is this meeting? As an entrepreneur, you don't know if this meeting is going to make you money or not. Absolutely. Well, why are you going to spend four hundred dollars? You know, just in case. That, that's yep. crazy. Like I, I I'm way too stressed to live that way. I don't get it. it. It makes sense for, for bigger companies that are already established. But when you're building something, you don't have a few hundred bucks to drop on 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 a lead. Yeah, that's so you true. Know? That was one of the most frustrating experiences because like I, I worked out of work for a while. I was an entrepreneur residence at one point. And then, like, you know, we actually had an office out there and the credits would drive me insane. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. Like, do I get the boardroom or the small room yeah. or this room? Do yeah. I have a bigger meeting later. Like, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and at the end of the day, you you have these small meetings and these small rooms because they're cheaper and it's it, it's not nice. Yeah. You know, while while the, the truth is, the big conference rooms they're not they're not really busy all the time. They're they're Absolutely. just really not. You know. So so to, it, it dots for example, all the meetings get done in the big conference rooms, and all the small meeting rooms are actually used for like people go in for like focus work, solo work, one on one meetings, things like that, and it works out really well. We even have this unofficial policy where people don't even have to book the rooms. If they don't sprawl out and if they promise to leave the room within 10 seconds of someone hovering the door, they don't even need to book it. That's I love that. Amazing. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's it. Like, but I tell them, if, if, if you do 
if you don't book it and someone says I booked it and you make them wait, I will terminate your membership on the spot. Got it. Damn. No, because I mean, there's gray zone, gray zone. You have to be flexible. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, if you're going to take advantage of a gray zone, yeah, yeah, you know, you have to respect it. You have to respect it. Yeah. No, I love that. I, it's like more of a community than kind of like just everyone's at this we work, whatever. It's more of like, you know, I love that. Yeah, I, yeah, so what's, there's no feeling of entitlement at dots. No. Everybody Boom, nice. No, yeah. there's no feeling of, there's no feeling of entitlement. Maybe and, that's some good marketing material. <laughs> yeah, put put Farhaj's ugly ass face in a picture and then, you know, put the quote there. I'm sorry a little bit jealous of my mullet, man. That's true. He, he does have a beautiful mullet right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but so, so what's your long-term plan? Are you planning on having like little dots, if you will, all over the U.S.? Or like what are you thinking? My, my long-term plan is, you know, anywhere between five to ten locations per central city. So when I say mm-hmm. central city, I really mean like for the center of LA. Like I could see three or four in Orange County. I could, yeah, see, for sure. I could see two or three in Newport, right? Every and each one has a different has a different focus. For example, in Beverly Hills, everybody has a, a complimentary yoga studio membership. Right. right? On. Uh, in Culver City, every you know everybody has the, the outdoor space and they have the podcast room and they can create content for free. I love it. Yeah. Um, and we have the live streaming cameras here. It's, I mean, it's, it's ideal for people who want to create content. That's so, so is there kind of, is there kind of like themes in a way with yeah. each location that kind of, well, well, the, the beauty of the, of the real estate is that every building is different. So, and, yeah. every, and every building actually, a lot of people don't know this, but, but a lot of the, um, the building architecture is based on the culture of that city in that moment. Does that make sense? So, so in, in in Culver City here, we have these huge Botrus ceilings. It's a very, very different vibe than the the brick building in Beverly Hills, which was which was built by a master architect. It, and they mm. and since they have these different vibes, we we capitalize on that and we play on it, and and that's and that's what it is. And it's it's also serendipitous. It just so happens that you know my mother's a yogi and she opened up a yoga studio. And she was very happy to allow all the members to use to take a class whenever they want. Very cool, you know. Um, but I also found out that it's not a big perk. It sounds nice, but a lot of people don't really. People like having different places for different things. They don't want a central place to do everything. No, I agree. Yeah, I think people are very like. I have to do like it, it. It is more convenient, but I think sometimes it's more overwhelming than convenient to people because they don't understand what they have yeah yeah and, yeah. and it's hard for to, to switch mindsets you know between your desk and the yoga studio which are like you know 15 feet apart that, yeah absolutely that trip prepares you mentally and and decompresses you you know when when you take get in your car and drive to your yoga studio and and so <clears throat> let's uh let's wrap up here because i feel like we could just do this for like five hours um <laughs> so uh I mean, so do you have anything you want to leave anyone with? You want to do any plugs? You want to, I mean, Farhaj usually handles this part. Yeah, Farhaj, tell, tell them how to close out. Drop your name, drop your socials, drop your handles. Let, let the people know what to show love to. All right, fine, fine. So to, to answer your question, uh, the plan is, is to get investors, real estate investors to buy and to build spaces that people will come to. Uh, I think they're going to come to them because um, you get more amenities at DOTS and for a lower price because we own the buildings and uh, i'm yoan bobot founder of dots um if you need a place to work uh, you need a place to meet you need a place to grow this is the spot there is no entitlement here Um, everyone understands that we're bigger um as a whole instead of individually and uh that's what we're all about and Corey and faraj saw that so thank you for having me Thank you so this much. Is, this is awesome. God. Yeah. I feel like we need to drop like a calm <laughs> like episode. <with> <laughs> oh, yeah. I would totally yeah. meditate to your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. Hey, well, that's a, that's a good compliment. My voice is like... <laughs> I would <laughs> so you never meditate to your voice. It would cause me pain. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, there we go. You guys are good. You guys have a good energy between you two. You guys bounce off. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're a little yin and yang here. Yeah. This is perfect. A little yo and yang. It's perfect. Oh, um, yin and yang. 
Got to end it like that. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Boom. Thanks, everyone, so much for tuning in to the Building Fires podcast. Yeah, man. We're planning on dropping episodes every Monday, talking to some amazing guests and giving you the content you deserve. Boom. Farhaj and I are so grateful for you guys. Oh, for, no. Uh, no, I can this, I can edit this. I know. Uh, Farhaj and I are so grateful for all of your support. If you can, please leave five stars and a review on your podcast app, whichever one you use. Farhaj and I would definitely appreciate it. I'm trying to get our uh, little podcast SEO up. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, looking forward to seeing you next week and we're excited to make... Ugh, one second. <laughs> looking forward to seeing you next week. We got some exciting guests for you. Boom. Guests for you. Like guests for you. <laughs> You scurvy curse. Uh, <laughs> <boom. Arr. laughs> <Boom. laughs>